look like and um, today we're going to focus in, we're just going to remind ourselves what our vision is all about, what, what's God put on the heart of this church but to start off I thought I'd start with three people that I think a little bit of heroes, I think that are catalysts themselves. The first one on the screen here, Rosa Parks. Uh, maybe you know about her, but just simply this lady was the lady that sat down in a bus in the 60s in, the Americans, in America and a white bus driver asked her to move and said, no, only a white person has to sit there or you have to stand or whatever it might be. And Rosa Parks refused and she was a catalyst to bring about incredible change. Uh, Martin Luther King uh, came to prominence through that decision and all sorts of factors played out which changed America permanently. Just a simple lady that was a catalyst. The next person here, put your hand up if you recognise this photograph, I'm interested in that. A lot of people maybe a little bit sort of my era and older. This guy is known as Tank Man. Uh, if you have never seen this footage, it's worth you Googling it if you're a um, Gen Wire or below. But what, is, what do we know about this guy when the tanks come? What, what does he do? And they start trying to get around him. Somebody tell me what he does. He moves in front of the tanks. This is in the middle of the democracy protest happening in the middle of China. And he literally, I think he even moves like this. And the tank sort of goes like this and the tank driver doesn't know what to do. And then he goes to the right and this guy incredibly so passionately believes in what he believes and he stands in front of the tank again. And of course he challenged the world and was, was amazing. You know, interestingly, they've never tracked him down and they've never tracked down the squadron that were challenging him, trying to get past. Uh, you never really see the end result, but we know he was a catalyst for change. And then this last person, um, very interesting young girl, Malala Yousafzai, actually a Muslim young girl, but she is a catalyst for change. She believes in education. And so she went to school in Pakistan and challenged the authority of the day. And the Taliban might have heard, came and shot her in the head. Uh, she was rehabilitated, thought that she was going to die. She came back. She's continued in the, against all odds to champion the role of education for women. And uh, Time magazine have called her one of the 100 most influential people in the world. These people were catalysts for change. Just gives us a bit of a hope or a bit of a definition of what catalyst is all about. Our name is Catalyst Church. You know... If ever there's a name for a church that I think speaks to who we are, it's our name. It's our name, Catalyst Church. I remember about 10 years ago when we unveiled that name. I'll be really honest, 10 years ago, there was a bit of shock in the room. Because we'd built up to this great name, there was a bit of shock in the room. Maybe that's not the, the name that we expected. I liked a whole stack of different names. Here's some of the names that are on the shortlist for me. I loved Oasis. I like that name because it talked about us all gathering together and nurturing each other and sort of coming out of the wilderness and, and finding nurture and community together. That's a great name. I liked the, the city names, City Life and City Hope and there's a whole lot of other names because they talk about reaching our city. Not bad. I liked names like Life Church back then because I love the, the emphasis on we have life, an, an abundant life in Christ. But you know what? I loved the name Catalyst because Catalyst spoke to who we are. It's not the warmest, it's not the friendliest name. It doesn't tell you about the life that you can have or the community that we have with each other, but it does one thing. It calls this church to action. It calls us to take risks and not be stagnant in our faith. And if you ever doubt what is, what is at the heart of our church, so what's Catalyst all about? Just think about our name. A catalyst is something that provokes change in something else. We're catalysts. We step out. We take risks. We do the mission that God's called each other. You know, I hope that we love each other, that we're a place of nurture. You know, I hope that abundant life is taught here and all of these different things, but I know that we're called to be catalysts. And our vision statement flows straight out of it to be a unique church, provoking lasting change by sharing compassion and hope. A unique church, I love to say it, I'll say it next week, 
with when we gather people at the new people's lunch. It doesn't mean it's the only church. It doesn't mean it's the best church. But it is what God has called this church to be. And that is why from time to time people say, why don't we do church like this? I've seen it done like that. Maybe longer worship or darker in here or uh, maybe different ministries that are happening out there. All sorts of different perspectives. But we can only be what God has uniquely asked this church to be. And all along its history, God has stamped this church with a unique culture, a unique ability to take things on and a unique way of being obedient to him. Provoking lasting change. There's that word again, right? Provoke. That's what Catalyst is. We're going to be people that provoke lasting change, both in ourselves and in other people. We're going to take action. We're going to step out. But so help us God, we are going to be a church that is meant to be what God has called it to be. And I always believe, you know, deep in my heart, that God's purpose for the church was not to meet its own needs, but to meet the needs of the world. I believe as you study what church is about from the beginning of time, always the church is called to look outwards and to stretch ourselves and to find new ways of reaching the lost. And that is what this church is called to be. And it is where our main heart and vision will always be focused. And the how part is by compassion and hope. It's compassion, the hands and the feet of Christ. And it's hope, it's the message and the truth of the gospel. It's not overly complicated. Now we're doing so much as a church corporately. And maybe for the first year among many years, I've struggled as I've come up to this one because often on a vision Sunday, a launch Sunday, you'll list everything that we'll do during the year and, and talk about them and re-energise why and we'll do a bit of that here today. But honestly, there's so much, we're only going to be able to unpack that as the, as the month unfolds, e- even the year unfolds. But I, I want to talk more today about us. A church is its people, right? A church isn't just a location on a, on a map, it's not just a a gathering of people. It is the individuals that make the whole. And I want to talk about the challenge I think that God is bringing to this church made up of individuals that call Catalyst their home. What is becoming clear to me is we can't fulfill God's mission for the church by just turning up here week to week. That's not a new statement. I'm not sort of claiming that's some sort of new revelation, being really honest. But I wonder how deeply that truth has found its way into our own heart. Don't ever get me wrong, this place is incredibly important as part of the calling that God's got on your life. This is a place where we gather, where we do encourage each other, where we do hear truth, where we do proclaim our worship to God. But as catalysts, we've got to be people that hear the truth and are obedient to the calling God's got for us out there. Interesting exercise. If we had time today, I'd actually do it. But if I asked you to name the top five sermons that have made a major impact on your life, I think it'd be an interesting exercise to give you time to do that. You might want to do that at some point. But interesting to see how you went with that. Then if I said to you, give me the top five experiences that have impacted your life, where you've seen God speak to you, work through you and work in the lives of other people, it'd be interesting to see how many you came up with. Here's what I think would happen. With the top five sermons ever, that you've ever heard, that have ever brought impact to your life, you might find a couple. Some, if you're a real auditory processor, might even get to three, four, maybe five. I reckon if we said here today, tell me about the top five experiences, things that have happened in your life that have changed you, have changed other people, the list would easily be filled. You'd all talk about the times and the things and the the struggles 
the steps of obedience that you've taken in your life where you've stepped out and you've been obedient. You've seen God work in you and change you, do incredible things. I think about the times in my life where I've been changed by God and some of those experiences and they're, they're still real to me today. I remember as a 20-something year old being obedient to God and the promptings and sitting down with my uni mate at South Bank in Brisbane and I paid for his dinner and I shared faith with him. And man, that was, what a story, what an experience. How many mistakes did I make on that night? But I went through that process of being obedient and it grew me. I remember again, maybe about 20 years ago, stepping for the first time into Ipswich State High School. And I'm telling you, that was not an easy experience either. I, I was nearly trembling as I did that. It wasn't easy for me. And I remember the night before praying to God in desperation, God, you've got to help me with this because I don't want to do that. I remember actually quite honestly, as I ran up the steps, trying to be a cool youth pastor, I tripped up the steps. Can you believe that? I think it was God's little whisper in my ear, Carl, just, you just better depend on me right now. And in that moment, the place had a bit of a giggle, but I made it. And I managed to get my little five minute talk across to 800 students and we launched something. And to this day, do you know, I, and hear me the right way here, I don't take all the credit for it, but to this day, 20 years later, we're still in that high school. You know, tens and maybe hundreds of people have gone into that high school. But I went in and it was a catalyst. I went in with uh, my brother-in-law, Jason Slocum, right back then. And we caused change. We brought about change. We set things in motion that couldn't have happened. So what's my point to all of this? And it's a challenge. I'm telling you, catalyst on my heart at the moment. It's this. It's not teaching messages that change you. It's living it out, right? It's obedient. Obedience, yeah, we need truth. You've got to hear me. We are not diminishing the role of good teaching and preaching here at Catalyst. Incredibly important. But I wonder if we've stacked the ledger so much on this side of the ledger that it's about hearing, that it's about gathering, that if I can just hear a little bit more truth, I'm going to be okay. The truth is, we're disciples of Christ when we're obedient, right? When we follow him, when we say, yeah, God, I'm going to do the promptings that you're calling me to do and I'm going to grow in your grace. In the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to make disciples, 28, 19 of Matthew. But in verse 20, it says, teaching them to obey. So you'll note there, it does say teaching them. But teaching them to obey, the emphasis is on that we're obedient. That after the truth, which is so important, that we follow on and that we do the thing that God is calling us to do. I'm telling you, this is the only way that we change our world. This world needs people that are obedient. This world needs people that listen to that challenge and the promptings of God in your life and follow after it. He needs you to be serious about being obedient to the things that he's asking you to do in your own life. Of course, this is ultimately what the word disciple means, right? It's somebody that's obedient, that is changed by Christ, that follows out, that becomes like Jesus. You know, the word disciple is mentioned in the scriptures, I think, 270 times. And the word Christian is mentioned just three times. It's interesting. To me, a Christian is like part of a people group. It's like something you tick on the census form, right? It's just, I'm a Christian. But are you a disciple of Christ? Are you somebody that follows Jesus Christ? Following him hard and in obedience? I want to share from the scripture today a story I think speaks directly to this and it's out of Matthew chapter 14 and um, I'm going to read from 25. During the fourth watch of the night, 
Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? You know, this is the famous story of Peter walking on the water. And I love this story. I love the audacity in Peter in this moment. While the other disciples are terrified, Peter gets in his mind this crazy idea that he's going to be the first non-deity ever to walk on the water. Like the first person in history, something that has never been done since and I don't think has been done uh, before and has never been done since walking on water. Peter decides it's going to be me. I'm going to walk on water. And Jesus calls him forward. Jesus here, I think, is giving one of the greatest preaching messages ever given. Jesus speaks in a way that's not just words, but in action. You think about what's going on on this night. It's the middle of the night. There's fear all around. And Jesus is making a point to the disciples at this point. He's saying something. He's saying the wind and the waves might be all around you. You might be in a dark place. The night might have been going on. It might feel like I'm a long way away. And the greatest object lesson just about ever given, Jesus comes along and walking on water tells him, don't worry, it's me. Don't be afraid. And in its incredible message, and with those eight simple words, he says, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. He doesn't just teach it. This is Jesus to to a T. He doesn't just say it, but he is it. And he means it. Again, it might be the greatest sermon ever preached. And it's eight words long. Who here would like eight word sermons into the future? Anybody? I'll do it when I can walk on water. How about that? But 11 disciples sat in that boat. This is really my point here this morning. 11 disciples sat in that boat and allowed it to be great information. They saw the message. It was a great message, a great story to tell. They probably shared about it in Bible colleges years to come, the 11 others. You imagine Connect Group that week with that that 11 and talking about what they'd seen and what Jesus had done. You know, there's some interesting questions to get raised about that whole experience. I looked it up this week. There's actually a debate that rages in academia world about this exact experience. This is the question that is out there. Was the water hard or did Jesus float? That's the question people are asking out there. People love talking about it and examining it and maybe coming at which way or another. And I'm sure there is some sort of theological meaning to whether he floated or whether the water was hard. I'm sure somebody could dig into it and find some sort of great truth in that point. But the point is, it doesn't matter, right? The point is, one of them knew. In the years to come, I think the disciples probably sidled up to Peter and said, Peter, can you, we're split down the middle. Actually, just out of interest, who thinks the water was hard? Put your hand up. Oh, really? Who thinks the water was, that Jesus was transfigured and he floated? Okay. Well, maybe it was stacked that way, but they wanted to know. And Peter, I don't know. Maybe he smiled to himself. Maybe he told them, maybe he didn't. But he knew what it was like. Peter had a story to tell. Peter had got out on the water. And for generations to come, we talk about Peter's great faith in that moment. Peter didn't just allow the truth to be in front of him. Peter went to the truth. Peter activated it with his faith. And here's the point again to all of this. Peter's not stepping out into safe territory here. They say it's the third watch of the night. The storms are up. Peter's probably putting his whole life on the line. But this is a step of faith for Peter. 
And in that moment, he says, I'm, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I want to walk on the water. And he gets a hold of this thing. You know, the, the scripture says that Peter was a man of courage. And Peter must have thought to himself, Jesus just said, take courage. And he activates that courage and he acts. You know, my simple question is, what are you doing this year? Are you activating the faith that God is speaking to into your life? Are you letting that truth do something in you that will cause you to step out in faith? Is your faith just one of pondering? Is your faith just one that bounces around without ever grabbing a hold of it and making it real in here? Where are you at here today? I was with Duncan just last uh, weekend at a men's event. He said something I wanted to mention I thought was true. He said, for men, and I suspect plenty of women as well, he said this hour and a half here on a Sunday can feel like a bit of a dull place because men are men of action. We want to do things and we just gather together and we listen and we receive. And the truth is there, there is truth in that. But there's truth in that if we think that this here is what our faith is about. If we think that this experience is the epitome of my Christianity, that's who I am as a Christian to just simply gather on a Sunday and listen to a message. Or do we see our faith as one that has stories to tell? One where we're stepping out, one where we're to talk about what it feels like to walk on water, to feel that wind and the air in our hair, to even feel what it feels like to fall down into the water and be lifted up by Christ. That's where we live out an exciting and a fulfilled life, a life that God is calling us to live. So I want to look at a couple of questions here today as we ask that question of ourselves, and we just see it in the life of Peter three three points I want to ask you this question is Jesus asking you to do this is Jesus asking you to do this as you're thinking well what what God are you asking me to do this year Peter says Lord if it's you tell me to come to you on the water you know I love that Peter still checked you know, sometimes we can come up with harebrained ideas at the wrong time or maybe not even right for our life. I've seen people do it. Maybe sell everything you've got and, you know, go on a, a crazy, leave your family sort of a deal and say, I'm going to preach to the nations. And I'm telling you the whole time as I've looked at some people do these things, it's their ego that's talking and it's not Christ calling them. Peter made sure that his crazy idea was from God and he's told, come. Always we've got to keep our faith steps in line with what God is asking him. Sometimes it's not complicated. What do we know that this scripture tells us? You know, does God ask us to share our faith with the world? Absolutely. You don't have to check. That's what God's asking you to do. Does he ask us to make disciples? Yeah. Does God ask us to serve our brother and sisters in love? Yeah. So these are the easy ones. But as you reach that point where you're stepping out, where you're stretching yourself, if you're on the edge of a boat on a dark, stormy night, you might want to check in with God. God, is this your will? Lord, I need to hear your voice in this moment. Two great questions to ask is simply this. God, what are you saying to me right now? And what am I going to do about it? You would do... Great for yourself if simply you ask those questions of yourself this year, nearly every day of your life. God, what are you saying to me today and what am I going to do about it? And if you don't feel anything or know anything in that moment, just, just continue on. Continue asking that question. Continue reading from his word. Continue allowing the word to speak to your life. But God, what are you saying to me and what am I going to do about it? One commentator on this passage makes the point that the decision to sort of step out of the boat and Jesus' lesson for the disciples at this point comes towards the end of his ministry. In other words, Jesus is stretching the disciples' faith. He's, he's taking it to greater and greater places. 
So sometimes it might simply be that God's not asking you to do something outrageous, but simply the next step for you. Again, what is Jesus asking you to do? Peter's remembered for stepping off a boat. Think about, for one second, the thousands of small steps of obedience it took Peter to get to the edge of that boat. And he was ready. That was his moment to step off a boat. And just while I'm at it, some of those steps won't feel anywhere near as sexy as walking on water. But they might be more important. Uh, forgiving a friend that hurts you instead of holding bitterness. That step, that step might be your step right here, right today. In obedience. And learning what it means to really allow that forgiveness to play out into your life. Loving your wife, that step might be your step God what are you saying to me and what am I going to do about it the next thing we learn from Peter is that it always leads to Jesus in a passage of scripture that I think should concern all of us Matthew 20 uh, Matthew 7 23 Jesus makes the point you, you might do plenty of great things in my name but I'm going to say to some of you I don't know you I don't know, you might even walk on water. But I'm going to say to some of you, I don't know you. Our faith steps must lead us to Jesus. You notice Peter wants to walk on water because he wants to go to Jesus. To Jesus, the giver of life. Our life's got to be Christ-centred. Have you noticed how Christ-centred the New Testament is? Jesus is the key to everything. He's the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the vine, the gate, the way, the truth and the life. The model to follow. And it's not just about trusting him, it's about following him. Focusing on him. It's about becoming more and more like him in the power of the Spirit. Peter, in a very real sense, decided that he wanted to be like Jesus. That's what a disciple does. And he saw his master walking on the water. He wanted to be like Christ. So Peter didn't walk on water to make a name for himself. He, he walked on water to be like Christ. And I just want to really pause on this point and say to Catalyst, you know, he is the reason that we're called here today. We're not called here to make the name of Catalyst great and we're not called here to make my name great or your name great we're here to focus on the name and the person of Jesus Christ and everything in our life comes second out of that our focus is on him notice Peter falls into the water when he takes his eyes off Christ as being central that's what our vision is that's what the vision of our life is always going to be about and the next one is Jesus calls us into success and failure. You notice that Peter both succeeds and, f and fails. It's so interesting. Jesus is God. He knows what's going to happen with Peter. He says, Peter, come. And Peter steps off the boat and for a few steps there, he has the most incredible story in the world to tell. The time that he walked on water. But he then falls down into the water and he fails. And I've thought about, you know, that whole experience. I think there's something beautiful about the times we fail as we step out of boats. I think it tells us that our life is not dependent on, on ourselves. Do you, do you know the sort of truth that Peter learned in that moment? I reckon in the hundreds of messages he gave, he might have touched once or twice on what it felt like to walk on water to succeed but, but where's the truth and the heart of what he wants to share with people 99% of them are going to be what it feels like to fail, to put your focus on yourself to, to get scared and look at the wind and the waves and to say but I know what it feels like to have Jesus Christ come and pull me up I know what it feels like to be standing there on top of the water with Christ holding me and I reckon he preached his most deep and impactful messages about what it means to be dependent on Jesus Christ. A truth is, 
none of us are meant to be the heroes of our life, but Christ is. And our whole journey will be a journey of God discipling us and teaching us and leading us as we fail and as we fall and as we make mistakes to learn to be dependent on him. And I would say for some, 2016 was a year of mistakes and 15 and 14 and you've sidelined yourself. And maybe the very things that you've failed in are the things that God is saying, they're the things I want you to learn in. And trust me, and I knew you'd fail. Don't let those things be the things that hold you back. But let the story of God lifting you up be the thing that carries you on. So as a church, I'm less and less concerned with us ticking off events that we're going to be doing in 2017. And look, we'll do some incredible things. But I'm more concerned with us and our opportunities to simply be obedient to the calling of Christ in your life. I'm going to share three things that we'll do corporately as a church. Uh, the truth is, they're not about me or the staff, they're about all of us. And so every single one of them you can look at through the filter of, how could I take an obedient step in that? But the point is, what's your step? I loved at the first prayer meeting of the year, some of this message was birthed there, but Anton was praying and he just simply prayed, I feel... God is saying to us this year, what is your risk level going to be? What risk step are you going to take that demonstrates God calling you out into a new thing? So let's have a look at some of the things we'll do corporately, but through the filter of you as an individual. Is an interesting one, it's Alpha. You know, I've always said that the pointy end of our vision isn't about ourselves. That will always be the truth. And Alpha is about us reaching out into our community. I've been talking with Phil McCallum, who's a pastor in the US, and he's actually going to be bringing a greeting to us uh, via video next week. But Phil said some really interesting things. He's been overseas and holy Trinity Brompton, been with Nikki Gumbel. And in London, Alpha is actually causing at the moment the world to turn a little bit. It's not all out revival, but for the first time in I think 70 years, the numbers of people in London going to church has been going like this. And for the first time in 70 years, it's on the increase. There's something's changing in London. There's a near revival taking place as God is using this tool again. And it's something we want to use. I want to watch a video just to introduce Alpha and then I'll talk a bit more about it. So at Alpha, what we're going to do is something a bit different. We're a unique church, right? Provoking lasting change. We're always about saying, God, how do you want us to do the mission that you've called us to do? I don't know that it's ever been done like this in the world, but we're giving it a go. We're going to do Alpha beginning in March in our services. We're going to teach them live. We'll teach them. Our teaching pastors will, will speak but we together are going to go through the Alpha series and the opportunity that comes with that is for you to be able to say to a friend, come along and be a part of Alpha. Uh, do it with me. And at the same time, they get to experience everything that's great about this venue and this place and this gathering, the worship, uh, the children's ministry. They get to have coffee together. And if you sign up for the course and take that next step and bring a friend or you yourself say, man, I, I want to go deeper in my faith, then over in the cafe and, and, and the surrounding rooms, we'll be gathering together in the groups that we do. Now, you might say, I'm okay just to follow along in connect group or different ways, that's fine. But more the point, your opportunity is to bring somebody along. Now I'm going to just invite, we've got a few key people involved in Alpha, so come on down, Nicole, come up, and Tony and John. And uh, these guys are sort of at the forefront 
of what Alpha is all about. They're going to be leading it and, and guiding it and, and just have passion for what Alpha is all about. Uh, have we got a microphone? Yep. All right, Tony, tell us why you've been passionate about Alpha for years. Why are you signing up again to get involved in Alpha? Um, actually, we've had a few cues through the service. Um, early in the praise and worship, I saw the word meaning, that, um, that Christianity brings and being a disciple brings meaning to my life. And I was thinking, just sitting there, how I've been a Christian for 30 or so years, and um, being able to answer the questions, knowing what um, life means, um, has, has enabled me to be more effective um, as a disciple and made me want to strive more. So it's, um, it's being able to get more meaning in your life and being able to chew over those questions, talk with others about meaning and, and get more depth. So that's what I'm excited about. I, I love seeing people getting excited and, and getting answers to their questions. Right, and I know, Nicole, you, you know, you're just passionate for the local church and said, sign me up, you've been given this as your first gig. <laughs> what, what would you say about Alpha? Um, I'm just really excited that it, it creates this opportunity to continue to build community, yeah. um, both inside the church and bringing people along who maybe aren't part of the church yeah. and to discuss those questions with them and mull over them, but yeah. also just to build that relationship and really... Um, disciple people from where they're at. Yeah, good one. Now, John, we, you know, we're going to be doing this in our services. Does it mean that it's all elementary, baby faith stuff? Talk about that. Yeah, well, that's that's a good question because I'd probably been in Elf in one form or another about ten times now, I think. And look, I don't think even of being a pastor for thirty years, I don't think I get to the point where I say I know everything I need to know about prayer or the Word of God or baptism in the Holy Spirit or water baptism. I don't think we get to a point where we say, I've got nothing more to learn. So that's the first thing. But there's always something more to learn. You know, the gospel's a multifaceted jewel and you're always going to learn something new. Yeah. But then, that's about us. But what about others? Right. As we, as we hone our knowledge, we hone our ability to articulate our faith, God can, God can put people in our path who we can then share that. And... Uh, you know, I think probably it's true that if we prepare ourselves, God gives us opportunities. So if we're, we're sitting in here, we're doing the, having the Alpha lectures, as it were, having the Alpha teaching, then we're, we're equipping ourselves to share with others the uh, truth of our faith. Yeah. And we can go on, as, as Pastor Carl's already said, we can sign up for a discussion group after the after the, st the lesson, so we're, we're in here for church, then after that, straight after, we'll be able to go into groups for 25 minutes, half an hour, and, and share with people we've brought, or maybe just learn more of ourselves. Yep. All right, good one. Can we thank these guys? They're the people you see. Now, the point again is be thinking right now, you've got about a month before we kick this off. Who remembers 40, 40 days of purpose that we ran here maybe 10 years ago? Not that many. But you know, 40 days of purpose had a massive impact on this church. And I believe that Alpha is going to do the same thing. I would, wouldn't it be great if we saw 40 unchurched people, people on their journey in this church for 10 weeks saying, I'll learn, I'll get a feel of what it's all about. And what a great way to do it. Now that is our challenge. They say, by the way, one in six people respond to the Alpha invitation coming along. That's the stats. So you've got to understand that your step might be, might be simply being one that asks four, pe four people and only four, none of those four respond. You might be a lucky one and the first one responds. That's not the point. The point is, God, I'm going to take a step and we want to see this place just humming in a couple of weeks' time. We'll obviously give you more information about that as we go on. Here's just a second thing that's going to be a challenge, something that's in front of us as a church this year. Who remembers this picture here? Who remembers the place looking like that? I mean, remember that place? It wasn't all bad. It was a great place, wasn't it? That place? But it became this. 
You know, three years ago, we set out on a journey to see this complex turned around and used by our community. And if we just go to the very next slide, you know, we're being overrun almost with how much this place is being used on a week-to-week basis. I love that our church is moving from just the thought that we're here on a Sunday to we're here to serve our community every single day of the week. Sometimes I've written it recently and uh, Esos, we haven't even been able to find a car park. Honestly, struggling to find a car park is hundreds sometimes for different events and reasons come and find this place on this side of town as being incredibly valuable and sharp. But here's a challenge that comes with that. One, we're not finished our three-year campaign. We finish in a few weeks. I tell you, you talk about things that stretch your faith, finish pledging. You know, finish that giving. Be faithful in that. Learn what that feels like. That'll grow. That's obedience and action. But here's the next thing. I don't think we're finished with this complex. We want to see it done. You know, we've got a bit of a dream, and if we can see that next slide, that we'll, we'll do the whole job. You know, this, this complex is being used by God. This church is being used by God uh, to be influential in our city and na- nation. Last year, we had the Global Leadership Summit here. We actually lifted our attendance. We had something like 30 or 40% extra. And when we did our review of who came, it wasn't just Christians. It was a big lift in our business community coming here, understanding that they can engage in leadership principles from a Christian perspective. On top of that, we do um, conferences for our local schools. Uh, We bless our own movement, HOA. And uh, I know that we need to finish the job to position ourselves to continue to bless the world. We've got great ideas and plans brewing about that one. So stay tuned and, and keep your eyes open. And really... Here's the last one, and I'm going to wind back to the beginning. I want to ask that simple question, what's your faith step? What is your faith step? Again, otherwise, it's great information. It's just a great, nice feel of what this church is all about. Corporately, we're going to do some great things. There's momentum. We'll all just flow on. We've got red letter days and park to park and next step courses. Next week... And you're just talking about a sharper vision that we've got for our connect groups that I think challenges us, but I'm excited about. But truthfully, these things are just part of the picture. What happens if you get a hold of your God's vision for your life, if you are obedient? And again, these things might be big or small. Here's a big one. Catalyst wants to plant a church. It's been in our heart and our DNA for forever. We've planted churches in the past. It's been something that's been on the edge for Catalyst and it's something we'd love to do. Now, I don't know. Is it going to be this year? I I doubt it. Next year? Three years? But somewhere into the future, Catalyst knows that we're growing up incredible uh, young people, all age people that have got gifts and skills and talents and abilities that are meant to be used out there in the world to see God's world reached. Maybe that's one of the things that God's going to birth in your heart. I feel a a deepening sense that God is putting his finger on this area for this church, to be a church that sends, to be a church that sees more churches birthed for his kingdom. But that's a big one. You want to get to that level, i really be honest, you're going to take all the small steps. It's a bit like walking off the edge of that boat. You're going to take all the small steps of obedience and life change and challenge along the way. Again, your challenge here today might simply be from our everyday catalyst card. It might simply be that you say, I'm, I don't, I'm not even Bible reading and journaling. I'm not even letting God, that key core, keystone habit to affect my life. You know, on this card we gathered together and had about 11 Uh, values. This church came up with 11 values that we say matter to us. Again, this is what we're starting to judge ourselves by. We, We evaluate this. We rate ourselves on this. We ask the question, how are we going? Where do we need to challenge ourselves more? 
and far and away above events and things that we do as a church, we want to see us growing as disciples of Christ. And that'll come at a cost. It'll be a challenge. This year for Jess and I, uh, we're stretching ourselves. Our one that's on this card is to be uh, growing in Christ-like values. And, and I'd put a sort of subtext to that to, to really learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ, to take that to new levels. And it's going to cost us in time and energy and resources. We know we're going to be stretching as we reach into unchurched friends that we have. A giving of our time, learning what it means to bless and love and show grace and share a verbal witness. But that is our journey this year. What is it that God's calling you to do? If you struggle with a message like this, God, speak to me. You seem to speak to these other people and you do these great things. I guarantee, grab a hold of this. They're down the back at the Connect desk and just say, God, just prompt me about this. I don't think God's going to ask you to do 11, but maybe one or two. That he might say, have a go. You know, step up, challenge yourself in your faith, but don't be a hearer. Be somebody that hears and does what God is asking you to do. One of the things we want to do this year is celebrate the great stories that are happening. And I'm going to ask Lauren to come forward. I suddenly had a thought, maybe Lauren's not in both services, but she is. You know, we want to do a bit more of this, just simply hearing the stories of where people are at. Now, Lauren, you felt God speak to you a while ago about going on and just being a, a catalyst for change. So tell us yeah. about that. Cool. Hello, everyone. Um, so I was in Brisbane just for an appointment a couple of weeks ago, and I went outside just to have a snack because I was hungry. And I was sitting down and there was this elderly gentleman um, with a walker just shuffling very slowly down through the mall area. And I was just like eating my food and I just watched a lot of people walk past him and I got this overwhelming sense that I'm like, I, I need to go talk to him. Like I can't, everyone's ignoring him. It kind of broke my heart for it. So I went over and I said, hey, and had a little bit of a chat and I actually offered to pray for him. Um, and he said no. And it was okay because then I was like, okay, well, how else can I show him love? ended up walking with him for a while. His name was Norman. He was cool. And then I called a taxi because the taxi rank was a fair way away. And I don't know if he would have been able to walk that far. And yeah, it was awesome. But Right. And so yeah. God, but had been prompting you about elderly men, right? Yeah, it was weird. Um, so, a <laughs> cup. Yeah, I'll explain. <laughs> so, in October, um, I was at the A2A National Conference uh, at the Gold Coast. And I, like, I'm called to young people. I know that. That's through and through. And so, I've never really paid much attention ministry-wise to, um, I guess, the elderly. And I was there and what happened was I just had this overwhelming heartbreak. And it, like, made me want to cry. It was weird. And at the time, I was like, what do I do with this? And I prayed about it, and nothing really came up. I didn't really get an answer, so I just kind of let it go. But then I realized a couple of days after meeting Norman that if my heart hadn't have been broken in October, I wouldn't have even right. looked at him. So yep. it was a really good opportunity to be like, oh, true, that was purely for that guy. Yeah, and you know, what I like about Lauren's story, I, I, like, I think you learned something in there. I like yeah. the fact that you went to, oh, action is what God's probably calling me to in this moment. Um, maybe prayer comes at the end of that, I don't know. Um, and not a whole lot more contact, right? He hasn't been like Snapchatting you or anything nope. since, Instagramming, no. But some connection happened with that elderly gentleman and Lauren, and she simply was obedient to what God asking you to do in her life. That's a great story, right? So can you put your hands together for Lauren? Thank you. And I mean, they don't have to be just world-changing. They're just stories where we're sharing with each other. This is what God has done. This is what's been going on. I don't even mind if sometimes, every now and again, we just say, hey, here's something that went wrong. I think we sometimes need to share those stories with each other. And we understand that, you know, these things happen, that we're all on that faith journey together. I'll just end with this. It's this simple point that, you know, every single one of us here is challenged. And this church is called to be great. It's called to do great things. You know, we, as we've evaluated, we've been researching now for two years how we're going. Uh, we actually, as you know, we survey every single one of these. Are you doing your devotions with your family? Are you giving financially to the life of the church? Have you found a place to serve? 
You know, after two years, we can finally have a benchmark. Here's the truth. We're about level. We haven't particularly grown. In some things we grew. In some things we went down. We're, we're about level. We've about held ground. And for me as leader of a church, wanting us to grow and get on to the things that God's asking of us, that's troublesome. I want us to see, I want to see us growing in our faith. I want to see us be obedient. I want to see us growing with each other. I want to see us and hear the stories of celebration and victory as we take things on. It was interesting during this week, I just thought I'll just Google what is the opposite of a catalyst. I actually found that I expected to find stagnant or neutral, right? Just something that doesn't do anything. I actually found that an inhibitor is the opposite. Something that actually stops growth. And I just felt a prompt from God in that to say, you don't get to be in the middle. That's the lukewarm spot. You're either a catalyst or you're an inhibitor. You're stopping the growth in your own life and you're stopping the growth in the life of people around you or you're somebody that is saying, God, I'll take it on. I'll stare it down. Challenge me. We need to be that sort of church. That's what God is calling this church to. This generation is dying of thirst, looking for people that will stand up and say, I want to be a disciple of Christ. I want to learn what it means to live and follow after Him. I don't want to play church. I don't want to turn up for an hour and a half. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to do what's religious. But I want to learn. I want to, and I want to grow. I want to have successes. I want to have stories to tell. I want to have even failures to talk about. But we've got to be people that gets out of a boat. Let's stand together as we pray. You know, I want to say again this church is one that's called forward God needs this church to thrive and he needs you to thrive in this church and he needs you to reach this city of Ipswich I tell you what it'll do you good this is the thing it'll change your life you'll grow your families will be better for it your individual life will be healthier for it your love for God will increase let's pray together God we just thank you for the challenge today, God, that you've given us to be people that don't just hear but do, that live up to your great calling for what the church is about. But God, we don't for a minute look to everybody else to make that happen. We look to ourselves. We thank you for who you, you are. God, you are good enough. God, you are the one that allow us to do this journey. God, we all acknowledge in humility our frailty and our failure. But we focus again on you and we call ourselves to get out of a boat and to walk on water, to do great things and some small things for you and obedience to you. And God, we just give you the, the overall vision, the, the places you're calling catalysts. God, lead us to great things, we pray. And Lord, I pray that we're world changing because we've changed ourselves with your help. We thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing a song just to finish.